0: Uh, take your Bible, please turn with me to John chapter fifteen. And uh, how many are here uh, for the first time since we 've had some renovation or since the whole coronavirus thing happened? Anybody here for the first time? I think you are over there. <laughs> Go back over there. Gary and Janice, God bless you. Good having you here. But one of the things I, I brought to everyone 's attention uh, during the coronavirus, uh, we had a, a crew working in here, putting down the new carpet. The new wainscoting up here, uh, the frame around the pictures, and of course everything was painted. But uh, I bet you don't notice, some of you, that a great thing that, w- that happened here is that the lighting was changed. The lights used to be a-, a yellow light. Someone said, did we get new chandeliers? I said, no, no, we got new light bulbs. <laughs> they're-, they're white light instead of yellow light. So I, I just thank the Lord for, for white light. It's-, it's brighter in here. It's- it looks so good. So praise the Lord for that. Uh, so uh, John 15, uh, we'll be talking uh, through the first 11 verses of John 15. And uh, we have a certain theme for this month. Uh, every month since January, we've, we've had themes through the various months we've gone through. Last month, the theme was relationships. So every message was about relationships. Uh, the month before was about vision Uh, The the theme for this month, the month of July, is communion with the Lord. And we will be having communion after this sermon today, but um, throughout the month we'll be sharing messages about having communion with the Lord. In other words, having daily, uh, living daily in His presence. Uh, Recently someone had asked me if I could teach on the topic of prayer. And certainly prayer is a part of having communion with the Lord, and towards the end of the month, we'll focus more on, on prayer. But right uh, today, I want to focus on abiding in the Lord, from John 15. Now, the the, the title of the message, I don't mean to, to scare you. It's not as harsh as, it sounds harsh when I say, abide or else, that sounds pretty drastic. But when I read this passage of Scripture... I I do get a sense from the Lord that he's saying, if you don't abide in me, nothing good is going to happen. And nothing worthwhile will come out of your life. In fact, you you take a a risk of being cut off of the the vine altogether. And uh, so, anyway, so abide or else. I want to read right now verses 4 and 5. This is we get started, but we will be looking at verses 1 through 11. But John 15 verse 4 says this, Abide in me. And I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Father, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this service. Thank you for this time to get into your word. We pray that this passage, this message, will be like a full-course meal for us, Lord. Serve us your food, your spiritual food. Lord, help me to preach it the way you want. Anoint my lips and my mind, that I may articulate the thoughts you put on my heart earlier, that I may share your word, and that, Lord, your word will fall upon ears that want to hear and apply your word to our lives. We pray, Lord, like we often pray in the process of this dynamic of preaching the word of god may you be glorified and may your people be edified and lord if there's someone listening that is not right with you or not walking with you not walking in salvation we pray that that one or two would come to a the saving knowledge of jesus christ through this message today so we thank you for it in jesus name we pray amen and amen Uh, before i forget for those on live stream You may want to get some bread or crackers and some juice ready, for at the end of the service we'll have communion together uh, at that time. So here's the premise of what I want to say today. Unless we abide, meaning unless we dwell and live and continue and stay connected to and rest in Christ and bear fruit, we won't make it to glory. I know that's a heavy statement. But to, to think that we can maintain a casual relationship with a holy and righteous God and survive all the attacks and all the temptations that we're dealing with today, I think is a little bit presumptuous on our part. There's too many opinions, and there's too many opinions. If you're, if you have anything to do with social media, you know what I'm talking about. Everybody has an opinion. And people speak with eloquence, they speak with passion, they speak with authority, and many times they are so far off the mark of the Scripture, it's not even funny. But if you don't know, if you're not abiding, you're going to swallow that hook, line, and sinker and be off in left field before you know what even hit you. There's many philosophies, many voices, much dissension in the world. I don't need to tell you, the world is going crazy. Either the world, the nation, even within the church, there's difficulties. And to think that a casual relationship with the Lord will help us get through, we're deceiving ourselves. And in the process of that, we'll never even be satisfied or be happy in our walk with God. What he's saying is, we need a 100% commitment, or we will not benefit, we will not get all we can from the vine that gives us life. So today, I feel that the church is tempted to coast. Man, especially during this time. You don't even have to go to church anymore. You know, you can stay. And then and if you get tired of live stream, you can go to the beach on Sunday if you want. No one's going to say anything. Just wear a mask if you go to the beach. But, but, but it's too complicated. It's too difficult. It's too demanding to be a Christian today. And don't even think about producing fruit. Most people are thinking about surviving. But as I look through these verses, now now we're going to look at chapter 15, but just look with me quickly, just to get an idea. Verse number 4, very important verse. Just to paraphrase that verse. Unless you abide in me, you can't produce any fruit. The point is, you're supposed to be producing fruit. You, You can't have a casual relationship with God and not have your life changed And not have what comes out of your life different than what came out of it before. In verses 10 and 11, he says, if you're not abiding in the vine, you're not abiding in my love. And if you're not abiding in my love, he says, my joy won't be in you. You ever notice some Christians today are really unhappy? And so preoccupied with worry and stress and everything else? God's joy, Jesus' joy, look at verse number 11. His joy is not there, and their joy is not full. It can't be because they're not fully abiding in the vine and verse number two ultimately um, god wants every believer to bear fruit and when we do bear fruit he prunes us so that we could bear more fruit And, and and another thing that's not written here there's no expiration date on when the pruning is going to stop well i've done that already lord i've been down that road yeah good get on the road again i've got more pruning to do the vine is still given life i got pruning to do well lord i've been down that road i'm i'm getting old now no, no there's still some more pruning to do can i tell you i'm speaking from experience right here i thought that by now it would be all be, all right you know all good no there's still pruning just ask my wife she'll tell you if you don't believe me so the solution is to abide in jesus abide in him so we're going to go through verses 1 through 11 let me give you the setting of this the setting is really important the setting is the last supper whoa that means this is the last teaching that jesus gave to his disciples speaking to his disciples his apostles right here at the passover meal his last his last teaching moment if you will before they go out they sing they go out to the garden and all the events take place so in verse number one, we're going to go verse by verse here. And then we're going to give you some examples of people who abided, abide in the, in the vine. But verse number one says, Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. All of life comes through the vine. All, all that we need comes from the vine. All that we, all that we need, all the, all the, all the life, all the character, all the determination, all the, the sustenance comes from the vine. The Father is the vine dresser. Jesus is the vine. Verse number two: The believer is the branch. Can I digress for a moment? I, uh, as I was doing this, and um, you know, James and I have this agreement where I give him my sermon notes, and he, through the miracle of. of uh, of apps, he puts together the presentation, the slide presentation, and, and today's slides are are wonderful. But they're all about grapes abiding in the vine, you know. And I had a flashback of my childhood, when I grew up in Rhine, New York. We, we had a a, a grapevine in the backyard. You anyone know what I'm talking about? You, you Italians know. <laughs> and, and and this grape, it wasn't real big, but it, it was had had like, I call them monkey bars, with metal pipes. And they were growing up there. And we as kids, we loved those grapes. They weren't like the grapes like you get in the store. The, you, you kind of squeeze them out and you throw away the, the skin. And they're so sweet and they're delicious. And the, the grapes are abiding in the vine and they're getting all the life out of the vine. You know, and what, what we would do is, uh, I'm going to further digress, but my mother, well, we would pick the grapes at the end of the, of the harvest, uh, summer, and my mother would make grape jelly out of those grapes. And put them in glass jars that she collected. And she would put a glass, you know, a wax covering over it. And we'd have grape jelly through the whole winter. And I thought, man, those grapes, if they didn't abide in the vine, because sometimes we'd pick a grape off before it was ripe and they were bitter. Sometimes if they fell on the ground, they'd get rotten and the ants would eat them or whatever. But the, the grape had to abide in the vine. And, and what Jesus is saying right here, the, the branch has to abide in the vine to get life from it. If we don't abide in it, we're not going to get the life that he has to give us. But verse number 2 is very important because it says, if you're abiding in the vine, now you can abide in the vine, but if you don't produce any fruit, man, you're going to be taken away from the vine. But if you are producing fruit, you're going to be pruned so that you can produce more fruit. Now, some of this probably has to do with Judas who was in the vine for a couple of years. But at this point, he left the vine, and he, he certainly bore no fruit. We know from, from uh, John 13:30 that Judas already left the Passover to do what he was going to do. So Jesus is saying, look, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, he removes it. But every branch that, uh, that abides in the, in, the, in the vine and bears fruit, he prunes that it would bear more fruit. This is what I would call the normal Christian experience. So fasten your seatbelt. If you're walking with the Lord, get ready to get pruned. Because just when you think you have it all together, guess what? There's one more thing. And it never ends until we're with the Lord. Verse number 3 says, You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Well, again, Judas left the the meeting here. So you that are left, you will leaven... You're already clean. You're already pruned. You're cleaned up. You're you're ready to go because the word that I spoke to you has had an effect on you. You're in good condition, you 11. I don't think Jesus would have said that if Judas was still there. So verse number 4, very important scripture. Let's look at it. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. He says, abide in me. From the Greek word, mano... Which means to remain or to dwell or to continue. I asked our brother Bill Larios, our Greek scholar in the church, about the word. He goes, yeah, it means I'm not going anywhere. That's what I'm not going anywhere. He knows Greek. It means I'm going to just stay put. I'm not going anywhere. You can't move me. I'm not going anywhere. And so Jesus is saying, look, stay with me, abide in me, live in me, stay with, continue with me. Don't leave me, don't lessen your involvement with me. And remember, this is the Last Supper. There's going to be some difficult days ahead, three days. Jesus is going to die on Friday and be in the tomb on Saturday, rise again on Sunday, and 50 days till Pentecost. These are going to be difficult days, 40 days or 10 days to wait for the Holy Spirit. In fact, their whole life is going to be difficult as they serve the Lord, and end up in martyrdom. But he says, abide in me, and I will abide in you. Kind of like, come to me, and I'll give you rest. Seek me, and you'll find me. You'll get yoked up with me. I'm here. I'm waiting for you. Just come to me, and as you abide in me, I will abide in you. And as you abide in me, you will bear fruit. And you cannot bear any fruit any other way. So the life comes from the vine. The branches in the vine. The life comes from the the Father, if you will, through the vine to the believer. And once we get that life coming into us, we begin to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. But what is the fruit he's talking about? Can I tell you very clearly it's not money, it's not possessions, it's not popularity or success or even prestige necessarily. Those things may happen as a side effect. But what he's talking about, the the branch will produce fruit that's equivalent to what's coming out of the vine. And what's coming out of the vine, what's coming out of the vine is the life and qualities of Jesus Christ. His character, his anointing, his his attributes, his vision, you know, his purpose is being poured out into us. So the fruit that we bear must be similar to the life that we know that Jesus lived. I always think about that, and sometimes I, I shudder at the thought of what comes out of me sometimes. My disposition, or my words, or my attitude, or just my feelings on the inside that no one even knows about. And I think, Lord, I'm not, I'm not representing you very well. He says, come on, get in the vine, get in the vine, get in the vine. And that phrase, the fruit, is pretty common in the New Testament. John the Baptist when the Pharisees were coming to check him out, I think John thought maybe they wanted to be baptized, but he said to them, you show me some fruits of repentance. You show me some fruits. Show me something that, you, that tells me that you're changed or you have a heart like God in this matter. Jesus said that you'll, you will know them, the teachers and prophets, by the fruit, by the fruit that they bear. You know that that's true, right? You can size up a person by what kind of fruit comes out of their life. What kind of attributes come out of their life. Does it line up with Christ? Paul said it like this in Romans 6. You've been set free to bear fruits of holiness and fruits of eternal life. And certainly Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, very obvious. These are the things that that Jesus is saying come out of the the life of of a branch, of a believer. Love will come out. Joy, peace, patience kindness, goodness, right? Faithfulness, gentleness, gentleness. Let me say it again, gentleness. We live in a culture where gentleness is not one of the greatest attributes, it seems, anymore. But it's one of the fruit of the Spirit that's really important. And self-control, that's another one. But these are the fruit that the Lord is saying, out of of the the life of a believer will come this fruit from the vine. Because the vine is perfect, The vine is wonderful. There's no problem with the vine. The problem is with the branch. So verse number five, let's go on. I am the vine, he says, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. He's just reiterating that. Verse number six, very, very, very important verse of scripture. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch, withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they're burned every now and then we uh we have branches that fall in the the yard around here and we uh we get them and throw them away in the back and a lot of times the branches have a, a lot of leaves on them leaves on them and after a while they're cut off from the tree and and we see them back there they turn brown and the leaves die and they shrivel up and then we take them away and they're, they're cast away into the furnace. But, but Jesus is saying here, if you're abiding in me, but not, not really abiding in me, you're, you're like a branch, but you're not abiding in me, um, he says, you know what, you're going to be cut off. That's a, that's a strong statement. This is a statement that most people don't want to address today. Jesus didn't say, once in the vine, always in the vine. But we hear all the time, once you're saved, you're always saved. We hear that all the time. Jesus didn't say, once you're in the vine, you're always in the vine. He said, once you're in the vine, you've got to do things that stay in the vine. Otherwise, you might get cut off. And I, th- I go over to 1 John 5.13, where John writes, he says, you know what, I've written these things so that you'll continue to believe and that you may know that you have eternal life. So I, th- The Word of God is written so that we can continue. So we're talking about a progressive relationship with the Lord. You know, so an ongoing, not perfect, but an ongoing, alive, living relationship, life in the vine, pruning, growth, cutting back, being corrected, and making progress as we go along. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? No? Yes? I can't see your face. You know, we're, we're with the Lord, and we're going through these things. Verse number 7 says, If you abide in me, this is another scripture that a lot of people don't want to talk about this scripture but if you abide in me and my words abide in you so if you abide in the vine and and the word of god lives in us a lot of people don't want to talk about this but he says ask what you desire and it shall be done for you you can't deny that jesus said that well if we abide in the vine And the Word abides in us, and we're living in that that healthy, holy, righteous relationship. He hears us. We know what to ask. We know His heart. We know how to communicate with the Lord. And and it doesn't say, another thing, it doesn't say when the time frame is that it's going to happen. I've heard stories of missionaries in particular that, that tell me things. They would pray. They would pray for things to happen. And they would never happen while they were there. After they left, they would happen. I've heard other stories where missionaries would pray, 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 and they would actually die before the the, the answers to their prayers came. But the answers came after they died. The point is, when you abide and when the Word is in you, we have this relationship with God that He hears us and He acts on our behalf. And in verse number 8, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. By this relationship of bearing fruit, abiding in the vine, living in the word. My father is glorified. He's beaming. He, he's proud. He's happy. And, and so you will be my disciple. So you get the idea in verse number, uh, verse number uh, 8 that one of, the, one of the characteristics of being a disciple is bearing fruit. So if we're not bearing fruit, we can't really say we're a disciple of his when we're like everybody else. So verse number 9, as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. So as the Father loved the Son, the Son loves the believer. Now he says, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, verse 10, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in His love. So he's making this analogy, as the Father and I are one, now me and you are one, we abide together just like we did, now you and I abide together and we're one. And then he says in verse number 11, kind of sums it up, he says, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you. Well, this is, again, this is the eve of Good Friday. And Hebrews tells us that Jesus, what, uh, endured the cross, despised the shame, endured the humility of the cross for the joy that was set before him. So he's saying in verse 11, I'm saying these things to you that my joy may be with you. You got to have, you have to have like a bigger view, a bigger picture, a bigger perspective of what's going on. But my joy will be with you. And when my joy is with you, your joy will be full. That's why when we're not joyful, and I don't don't mean ha-ha, you know, silly. I mean the joy of the Lord is my strength. When we have this vision that God's in control of everything, and His joy is in us, man, I'm happy. I don't know about you, but I I could have the joy of the Lord in the midst of my my trouble. We used to sing that all the time. How many of you remember? The, uh, The joy of the Lord is my strength. If you want this joy, you must shout for it, dance for it, clap for it. But, but it's true. If we have the joy of the Lord, He is our strength. And then our joy is made full. So this is quite a teaching. This is quite a teaching. And remember, this is at the Last Supper. Uh, there, there's no joy in the garden. You know, just a little bit after this, they go to the garden. There's no joy in the garden, per se. There's confusion. There's fear. There's uncertainty. There's sorrow. There's dejection. Remember, they all ran away to hide Anyway. He said, abide in me. It's like a warning he's giving. Abide in me. Storms are coming. Difficult days ahead. You'll never make it without me, is what he's saying to them. So fast forward to 2020. I say the same thing. today. We as a church will never make it today unless we abide in the vine. It, 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 the trouble is, we, we, could, we could play church, and many people are playing church. Now we could go look the parts, know the songs and even quote scripture, but not live it out, not really abiding in the vine. I know on Wednesday night I've, I've been a little rambunctious. Some of you have talked to me about it. Because on Wednesday night I'm on the live stream. I don't see anybody's face. I just let it rip, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, and I was saying, you know what? No, this is a good turnout today. I'm, I'm happy with this, really. But, you know, a lot of people... I'm finding out a lot of Christian people during this time. You know, they're not on live stream, and they're not in church. Who knows what in the world they're doing? But it, it's easy to back off right now. And what I'm saying is, this is not the time to back off. This is the time to abide and divide abide more than ever. And so... I mean, the thing is, I, I, I'm speaking to the, uh, the wrong audience here, because you're here, live stream is here. I'm, the people I want to hear this aren't even listening. So I'm commissioning you to tell everybody that you know. I don't know, maybe it'll get out that way. You see what I mean? I realized on Wednesday night, I, I, everything I wanted to say, I said to the wrong people. But I put it out there anyway. Oh, so, okay. So I want to give you some examples from the Word of God about people who abided in the vine in the midst of their troubles i think pastor bill shared a good example of job that was a great example job had everything taken away but he abided in the vine he got his life his 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 sustenance from almighty god in the midst of what happened to him but i was thinking of three new testament characters well i'm sure you know them well one we talk about a lot his name is peter i call him peter the fisherman well, Peter made the, the most grandiose positive confession ever recorded in the Bible. That night of the Last Supper, Jesus said, You know what, you guys? You're all going to betray me tonight. And Peter's, I'll never, they may all betray you. I'll never betray you, Lord. I'll never leave you. I'll never stumble. Even if I have to die, I will never turn my back on you. Great positive confession, right? Well, about an hour or two later, what happened? And and, and in that moment, I I wish someone would make a movie about it—a good movie, because I think I think if someone could capture the moment of panic, of fear, of oh, of angst that came upon Peter at that moment, big talk positive confession and he totally blew it three times once wasn't enough you wish the rooster would have crow the first time but after the third time the rooster crowed the reality set in but this is what i want to say as, as compared to judas now judas betrayed the lord too but judas's ending was much different than peter's judas never repented from his heart I believe, it, it, I think Luke's gospel says, uh, Peter, when this happened, he went out and he wept bitter tears. Bitter tears. As in saying, oh God, I'm so sorry. I, I, I. You ever get to that point where you don't even know what to do? All you can say is, oh God, help me. I believe Peter came to a place where he repented and he waited. He just waited, he didn't know what to do. He kept hearing reports. He, he, he had an encounter with Jesus. Then one time, Jesus came to him specifically. You know the story. Peter, you know, everyone else was over there eating breakfast or whatever. Peter, do you love me? Oh, yeah, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. Hey, Peter, do you love me?
1: Yeah, 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 I love you.
0: Feed my sheep. Peter... And now Peter's probably thinking, three times to match the three times I denied you, I get it, Lord, I love you, I love you, I'll do anything you want, feed my lambs, okay? But this is a a great illustration of someone that that didn't measure up. And I have been there many times, I have to tell you, I've been there myself. Don't measure up, but I'm not running from God either. I'm not going to run from God. God is still my source. He, he, I'm, I'm in the vine. I'm not a perfect branch. And none of us are a perfect branch. In fact, I, I have another story to tell you. I, you know, You I'm really good at, at certain things in the garden. I learned it from my grandfather. My grandfather had a great garden, but I, I learned this little thing. Sometimes a branch will actually come off of a tree, but it's not all the way off. It's kind of hanging. And I've done this over there. I've done it back there with different branches that have fallen off the trees in our, on our property i get electrician's tape i put it back up there and i tape it up really tight and before long man that branch is as good as new it got grafted back in and the life is going back through the branch and i'm telling you sometimes we're hanging by a thread but jesus puts us back into the vine and puts that tape around us and that that could be the function of the church actually and we, we get that life back so, so let, let Peter be a good example. Let me give you another example. John Mark. and Many of you know John Mark. I call him John Mark the companion. Because he's always with somebody. He's always hanging out with somebody. He was in the garden that night. He was a young man in the garden. He left like everybody else. But, but later we see him. Um, let's see. Where am I? We see him. <laughs> we see him joining uh, uh, Paul and Barnabas on a missions trip. And he's a young man. Everything's going well on the missions trip. And uh, the first encounter that they have with an unsaved person is demon-possessed, and he's a sorcerer. And there's a great, conflict, great spiritual battle, conflict going on between Paul and this guy. And John Mark is watching. Well, the story goes on, and right after that story happened, we read that John Mark packed up his bags and went back to Jerusalem and said, I'm out of here. He couldn't handle the the spiritual uh, uh, conflict that was going on. But later on, we see in 1 Peter 5 that Peter says to his audience, he says, "Uh, John Mark, my son, John Mark, greets you. This tells me something about John Mark. He he failed. He caused a big problem between, uh, between Barnabas and Paul had a great conflict but he never left the lord this is the point he had a problem his failure did not define him he picked up he got associated with peter and he carried on with his life later we hear from paul paul says to timothy hey timothy get me john mark because he's useful for me in ministry this is the guy that paul wanted nothing to do with before but now because john mark stayed in the vine paul recognizes he's useful for ministry And now, John Mark the the Companion then later becomes John Mark the writer who wrote the Gospel of Mark. I think it's an amazing story. How could you get to the point of writing a gospel when you can't even deal with spiritual warfare? Abiding in the vine. That's the only way. It's the only way that you could do that. As opposed to packing it up and saying, I'm out of here. No, no, no. Stay in the vine. Stay in the vine. Whatever you do, you, where you have a, whatever, a problem, a situation, you know what, stay in... Jesus is not even surprised at these things. He expects these things to happen. Uh, many times I think it's a test. I always say that. This is a test. I, I don't say it to people, I say it to the Lord. I say, Lord, I know, this is a test. You're testing me right here. And it, it's true. Am I going to stay in the vine... Or am I going to do my own thing? I've done my own thing enough to know my own thing never works out right. Even though there's still a part of me that wants to do my own thing. Even though I know it's not going to work out right. That's how strong the human nature is. But we, we have to stay plugged into the vine. John Mark, the writer. Hallelujah. Gospel of Mark. The other example is Barnabas. And I, I brag on Barnabas a lot. I, I preached on him a few weeks ago. He, he uh, is a great character, has great attributes. Uh, we see that he's a generous person with his finances. He's encouraging. He's faithful. He's available. We see him, out of all the people, helping Saul, Paul, get acclimated to the believers in Jerusalem when he first got saved. It was Barnabas that kind of paved the way for him. Good guy, this Barnabas. Good man. We see him in Acts 11, when, uh, when the, uh, the Hellenist Jews were receiving the gospel. The leader sent uh, Barnabas there, he saw the grace of God. Remember, I preached on that. He saw the grace of God. How do you see it? You, you feel it. You sense it. You, you, you have a spiritual connection. You can see what God is doing. We see in Acts 13, uh, Barnabas is with Paul on the missions trip, doing a great work for the, for the Lord, a great support for Paul, a great leader in the church. But in Galatians 2, uh, 13 and 14, we see something that we don't really talk about too much. But Paul goes up to Galatia to meet with Peter and everybody else. He sees, Paul sees Peter and Barnabas and others treating the Gentile believers like second-rate citizens when the leaders from Jerusalem came up to see what was happening. So the Jewish Christians got a higher treatment than the Gentile believers, and Paul calls them out. So we see a streak of hypocrisy in both Peter and Barnabas. And Paul directly confronts them and, and rebukes them. And to their credit, there's no response because they knew they were wrong. But the next time we see Barnabas is in Acts 15 when Peter and Paul are defending their ministry to the Gentiles, to the elders in Jerusalem, and Barnabas is right there cheering them on. Yes, those Gentiles, they got the faith just like we got the faith. So he came full circle and was able to be used by God in a powerful way because he abided in the vine. He stayed in the vine even though he was called out and he was exposed as a hypocrite in the church. He didn't run away. He didn't get hurt. His feelings weren't hurt. He probably recognized, man, I, you're, you're right, Paul, you're right. And credit to Peter, he's, the same thing. No, no response from the belligerent Peter we know from earlier. He just took it. So I, I like these examples. It reminds me that that none of us are perfect. None of us are, you know have arrived yet, and uh, we're all a work in progress. Amen? All right, so I want to give you, I want to give you three things, and then we're going to go into communion. If we want to abide, and I, I say abide or else, uh, I guess you can say or else. You know, abide or else. But the first thing is that we need to know who we are. John fifteen two 2 says uh, that we're a branch. We're a branch in the vine. If you accepted Christ, if you, if you believe in Jesus, if you've repented of your sins, you have a connection with God. Um, I, I get a, such a kick out of Facebook when I meet people from my childhood and high school years when they think that I'm the same as I used to be. Thank God I'm not. Amen. But they don't know that I'm a branch in the vine. I have to tell them. They don't know. But I want to tell you, if we want to abide, we have to know who we are. We're not just some guy or some lady. We're branches. We're grafted in. Jesus died for us. He gave his life that we could have his life. We're a special people. We're an imperfect people, but we're a special people. So we decided to follow the Lord. We're a branch. I know who I am. When I went to that 50-year high school reunion, you better believe I knew who I was. They all knew who I used to be, but I knew who I am. I know who I am, and thank God Pamela and are were both able to represent Christ, I think, in a godly way, but but I know who I am. Do you know who you are? Do you know the power that you have? Do you know the, uh, the authority God has given you, given us, to stand in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of social unrest, in the midst of a crazy election year, God has given us power to be a voice. We've got to know who we are. And either either we're going to go forward and bear fruit, or we're going to drop out, and I don't think anyone's going to drop out. In fact, most pastors I know are on a mission to keep anybody from dropping out. Our mission is that we all make it to the finish line. But Revelation chapter 3 tells us about the church of Laodicea. The Lord said, you know what? You do a couple of things good, but I have this thing against you. You're lukewarm. You're like, you're not hot and you're not cold. You're just kind of in the middle. And I don't like in the middle, he says. I would rather spew you out of my mouth. Later in that that passage, I think it's Revelation 3.20, to the same church, Jesus says, look, to the church of Laodicea. Look, I knock on the door of your heart. The church, this isn't... This is people that are branches. I'm knocking on the door of your heart. If you open up, I'll come in and dine with you and you and me. I I just want to raise this level of we have to know who we are in Christ. We're a special people. I I like what David said in some of his writings, and I like what Paul said in some of his writings. David said in one of the Psalms, he said, You know what? I'm fearfully and wonderfully made Marvelous are your works, O God. You know that scripture, Psalm 139 uh, 14 I think it is. I mean, you could say, okay, well, what do you mean, David? I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, Lord. I, I'm marvelous, and that my heart knows very well. I mean, there's confidence. But in another place, he says to Nathan, "I'm the man. I'm the one who sinned." So he has this like like this dual nature. I, I'm I'm great for God, but I, I'm a sinner too. And the same thing is echoed by Paul. Paul said, you know what? Man, I'm I'm a a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. I've been circumcised the eighth day. Uh, Regarding the law, I'm a Pharisee. I have zeal. I persecuted the church. I'm blameless in the law. I got everything going for me. In another passage, he says, I'm the worst sinner out of everybody. I just think we need to know who we are. We're sinners saved by grace, and none of us are completed yet. We're, we're on, a, on a mission. We're on, a, we're on the road of, of, of perfection, if you will. But no one is perfect yet. But we have to stay in the vine to see it through. This is the thing. Now, like I said, uh, um, let's see. Memorial Day was uh, 43 years of our salvation. Memorial Day, it's past Memorial Day. This July will be our 43rd year of marriage for me and Pamela. And, and you, I would have thought, like just in my natural mind, that after 43 years of serving the Lord, you would have thought, I've got it all together here, you know? Uh, but I find myself, I, I do this, I, hallelujah, yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm a big sinner too. But I'm still abiding in the vine. And by golly, nothing's going to take me out of the vine. I don't care what comes my way. I am sold out to it. Okay. Number two is this. We, we have to know what we have to do. We have to know what we have to do. So there's a couple of things here. Let me, let me just, uh, verse number four, let me tell you what, right off the bat. You can't abide in the world and abide in the vine at the same time. Well, you can try, but you'll never be happy. His joy won't be in you, your joy won't be for you. It, it's like oil and water. We can't, we can't be so wrapped up in the affairs of life and entertainment and, and I love sports. Oh, I, I love it. I mean, I'm kind of curious about Cam Newton coming to the Patriots. I am. But a part of me is relieved that there's no sports right now. You know, part of me is like, I don't care. And I don't even need that stuff. We could get distracted by so many things. You know, everything in its proper place. But, but we, can't, we can't abide in the world, the worldly system, the worldly way, and really flourish as a Christian person. You know, back in the day, when, when Pamela and I first got saved, way back in the dark ages, <laughs> you know, when you, had, when you joined the church, tell me if I'm wrong, you had to sign a paper saying, I won't go to see movies, I won't dance, and I won't drink. You had to sign it. Now, forget it. You're too legalistic. Well, I'm telling you, if we want to abide in the vine, there's some things we have to do and some things we have to let go of. Just, how else can you say it? You can't serve two masters. And no matter what, a lot, a lot of, let me just say this, a lot, a lot of churches will say, you can do whatever, it's a grace movement. Yeah, I, absolutely we're in grace, but grace is not a license to do whatever you want to do. Grace is like God's blessing on you in spite of what you do. That's grace and mercy. His mercy is new every morning. Why? Because you need it. I need it. It's not because we're so special. God gives us mercy; we can do whatever we want to do. No, in spite of ourselves, He gives us mercy, so that we could do better, hopefully, with His power. But but this is pretty clear in in verse. Let's see, verse seven. Well, a couple of verses. Verse seven says to. Um, uh, verse 7 says to, uh, my words must abide in you. You have to be in the word of God. There, it's redundant to say, but there's no other way to say it. We have to be in the word of God. You know, if you can't be in the word of God, what are you going to do? That's the first thing. So, so get a devotional if you have to. Get a, get a study, but whatever. But read the word. Meditate on the word. I remember at my first year of Christianity, 1977. I used to think I used to get I used to get my oatmeal and my toast and my OJ and read the Bible. I'm telling you the truth. Living in North newly married with my beautiful wife, living in North Carolina, the the words to the page were jumping off into my life, into my heart. I'm telling you. The word of God was like, oh my god, I can't even believe that's in there. And how I I desire that same feeling forty three years later. And it does happen. But the Word of God has got to be central to who we are. Absolutely central. Verse number... Yeah, amen. Verse number 7, the second part of verse number 7 talks about asking, having communion with the Lord, praying. If you don't want to use the word praying because it's old-fashioned, how about communion with the Lord? I don't believe it's old-fashioned, by the way. Have communion, have prayer. Ask, talk. Have a living relationship with the Lord. Verse number 10. Obeying the commands of God. And verse number three, staying clean, staying pruned. Staying in a position to be pruned. So that when we're pruned, we're not falling apart at every moment. Oh God, what are you doing to me? Oh God, you're hurting me. Oh God, this and that and the other thing. No, no, look at it as God God is helping you get better. God is helping to improve you. Okay, then the last thing is we need to know where we're going and in the context of John 15, these dear disciples were getting ready for a life of martyrdom. And Jesus was preparing them for eternity with him. Not only, not only that, he was preparing them for a productive life on earth and then an eternity with him later. So, man, today, if I, heard, if I saw one, I, I saw 10 different videos on Facebook somebody somewhere has a word from god some of it's good and some of it's not good but some of it's really good and many people are saying the rapture is going to happen it's got to happen soon jesus is coming back get ready this whole this whole coronavirus thing this whole pause that we're in is god's way of giving the church in particular time to get it together because he is going to come back again And and so we have to realize, where where are we going? You know, The end of of all this is not our life on earth. The end of all this is our life in eternity with the Lord. He is coming back. And I want to be ready. I want to be ready when that sound comes, when the shout of the Lord comes, and the dead in Christ arise, and we get caught up in the air. I want to be ready. So Peter says in 1 Peter 1 and 1 Peter 2, we're pilgrims. We're sojourners. We're going through. We're, we're on a mission. We're on a journey. And, and the other side is an eternity with the Lord. That's the final result of abiding in the vine. Then we'll see the vine dresser and all of his glory. John said, or Jesus said it in, in uh, John's writings of Revelation 22, Maranatha. Many of us are saying, Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. It's too much, Lord. This is too much. Lord, come quickly. So, as we abide in Him, we're getting ready for eternity. So, let me wrap this up here. Abide or else. Who are you? You're a child of God, if you've accepted Jesus. What do you do? Bear fruit. Where are we going? John 14, 3 says, uh, In my Father's house are many mansions. I'm going away to, to prepare a place for you that when I come, you, you can go with me to that place. So, yeah, we're going to a mansion in the sky. So I'll close with this one verse, John 15, 5, then we're going to have communion. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Can we say that together, church? It's on the screen. Say it with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Let's say it one more time. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Amen. All right, every head bowed for just a moment. We want to pray as we get ready for communion. For those of you at home, if you want to get your elements together, uh, now would be a good time to do it. Get a little juice or water and bread or cracker or something like that. But the whole, the whole teaching that Jesus gave in John fifteen, he's speaking to believers. Believers. But those 11 men that were there at that night, they weren't always believers. They became believers. When Jesus called them, they responded and said, yes, I'll follow. So before we go into communion, it would be appropriate for me to raise this question here, that Jesus is the true vine. The Father is the vine dresser. the gardener. We are the branches. Is there anyone at home maybe, or maybe someone here that wants to be included as a branch? You're not a branch automatically. You're a branch by decision. And so I'm going to raise the question, is there anyone that wants to become a branch in the kingdom of God? If that's you, just raise your hand. Or if you need to get reattached a little bit more to the vine with a little bit of electrician's tape or whatever, raise your hand, let me see. Let the Lord see that you're responding to him. This is a good thing. This is a good thing. This is not a bad thing. And God's not looking for perfection here. He's looking for a willing heart to give God a chance. Anyone? Yes, okay, a couple of hands. Good, good. Thank you, children. God bless you. Dear Lord God, we, we come before you. And Lord, we all, if I could speak on behalf of everyone in this room, Lord, we come before you. And we, we desire to be a branch in your vine. Lord, we decide right now to be a branch in your, in your vine. We don't want to be a, a branch connected to a different vine, a vine in the world or a vine of the flesh or whatever. We want to be connected to the true vine. Jesus said, I'm the true vine. So, Lord, let us let us be connected to that true vine. Meaning, Lord, we believe in you. We accept you. We repent of we admit we're sinners. We admit it we can't live without you. Life without the true vine, Lord, it's killing us. So we come into this place, Lord, of of coming into the new the, the true vine. And so we accept you, we believe in you, and we ask you, Lord, let your life come into us. Let the, let, the, let the qualities of your heart flow into us. Let us begin to bear fruit that comes from your heart, O oh God. The love, joy, peace, etc., the righteousness, the holiness. Let us bear fruit that represents the God that we serve. But Lord, many of us, and I'll put myself out here, are, we're damaged branches. We've got a lot of tape around us. We got, a lot of, we got a lot of hurts. We got a lot of stuff. We're still in, but Lord, we're, sometimes we're hanging by a thread. But Lord, we ask you now, by your spirit, O oh God, wrap us up close to that living vine. Lord, connect us so tight that we would never ever stray or get shaken away from it again. So Lord, we, we call upon you. Lord, come into our lives and forgive us our sins and fill us with with godliness oh god we need your heart we need your determination to avoid the pitfalls of this world and to live for you so that we can bear good fruit so lord help us with this we know you're the source and we're coming to the source today lord you are all that we need we come before you lord let us stay let us be and stay connected to the true vine of jesus christ hallelujah thank you lord in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. 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 All right, so does everyone have your communion elements? So everyone is welcome to partake of communion today, provided you're, you know, you've you know, accepted the Lord, you're trying to serve him. Um, you don't need to be a member here, but you need to be a member of the body of Christ. So after this whole thing in John fifteen, after that that was over, Jesus took bread and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, "Take and eat. This is my body." Uh, Those of you on live stream, if you if you have something, uh, those of you here, we 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 tear off the top part of that. Be careful, because you don't want to get the bottom part just yet. And then the little wafer is exposed. So after Jesus talked about the vine, he, he went into communion. He said, look, I, I, I'm giving you my life so you can do this. That's, that's powerful. Paul says later on, you know, do this in remembrance of what Jesus did. Do it until he comes back again. He's coming back. But do it with a clean heart. Do it with the right motive. So let's thank the Lord for his broken body. Father. Lord, you you are the vine dresser, Father. Jesus is a true vine. We're the branch. But Lord, we know that this is all possible because he paid the price for us. Jesus, thank you for allowing your body to go to the cross. Nailed, pierced, beaten, whipped, sped upon, punched. You took all the abuse, all the punishment that we deserve. And in return, Lord, all you're asking us to do is to abide in your love, that love that sacrificial love. So, Lord, we receive this today as a reminder, as a refresher, as a renewal of communion with you, not only holy communion, but just communion with you in our daily lives. Help us, Lord, to stay in close communion with you every single day. But, Lord, thank you for your broken body that we could be made whole as a result. Let's partake of the bread together. After that, Jesus took the cup and he blessed it and gave it to his disciples and said, this is the cup of the new covenant in which there's remission of sins. Hallelujah. Take it and drink as often as you do in remembrance of me. Father, Lord, thank you for the blood. Lord, in in this day and age... I guess it's been happening in every generation, but it seems like so many sacred things are being thrown away, discarded. But Lord, may this never become old. May this always be sacred. May this always be holy ground, holy territory, when we remember the death, the shedding of blood, the broken body of our Savior Jesus. Lord, help us no matter how long we live on this earth, to cherish these times of communion with you. And let let these times always be a reminder of the price you paid for us to live in that vine. We can't just live in that vine without you paving the way. So Lord, we thank you for your blood. Your word tells us without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Lord God, if there wasn't this blood, we would still be lost in our sins. And, And Lord, we would would be we would be hopeless and helpless. But there is the shedding of blood. There's also your death. There's also your resurrection. There's also your ascension. There's also your empowering the church with your Holy Spirit. So thank you, Lord, for your provision in all these different ways. But thank you for the blood. May the blood right now cleanse us of any sin, any impurity, any any conflict, any, any disease or sickness. From Isaiah uh, 53, fifty three. We pray for any 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 discord to be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ right now. So Lord thank you thank you for, for this in Jesus' name. Let's partake of the cup together. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can we stand together? You know, at the early service, we, we had a, uh, Kenneth, uh, one of our keyboard players, uh, accompanies the guitar on piano, and um, we can't seem to get a good sound for the live stream, but I asked him if he could lead us in a song as we closed out after communion. He sang a song that was really popular back in our day when we first came to the Lord. It's called Hallelujah. Anyone know it? We're going to sing it. And if it brings back a good memory, hallelujah. For some of you, it may be brand new. All it is is hallelujah. That's all it is. Hallelujah. Lord, we, we praise you. We give you praise. So let, let's sing this as our benediction today.
1: <clears throat> hallelujah. 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 Let's sing, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. you for
0: this service today and thank you for your presence with us thank you lord for new life in christ thank you for a renewal in our spirit as we get plugged in tight to that vine lord as we leave this place today may we be encouraged may we look for opportunities to share our faith and to be a light for you during this difficult time thank you lord for your provision let us have a good and safe week In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen! Amen. And Amen! Amen. Hallelujah!